Starting now, we pray that God will start with us and the presence of God will fill this place. Amen. Let us pray. Everlasting Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. We thank you because there is no one like you. We thank you because you are a faithful God. We acknowledge you as our Father, and we appreciate your love upon our lives. We thank you because even while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We thank you because you knew that we were not perfect. You knew that we are not worthy of your salvation, yet you decided to go ahead and die for each and every soul on earth right now. I thank you. I thank you for this beautiful day, warm weather. Thank you for helping us to succeed in the activities of today. We thank you because you went before us and made cricket path smooth. So be that glorified in Jesus' name. Even as we are sitting down at your feet and learning your word, we ask that you please, Lord, speak to us through your word. We don't want to go back home the same way we came. It's going to be a waste of time. We would have used this time for other things or uh, um, even reading your word. But Lord, now that we have come together as women to sit at your feet and learn from you, we ask that you please honor us with your presence, oh God, and speak to us, Lord, by yourself. Honor us with your presence and help us, oh God, to hear from you, only from you. I don't want to hear myself speak to me, Lord. I want to hear you speak to me. And I ask that you speak to us, oh God, a word that will change our lives, a word that pertains to our situation, oh God, a word that will move us closer to being like Jesus Christ. We thank you, oh God, because you are, you are a faithful God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to welcome everybody to the Bible study. And um, before we proceed, we'll be singing the hymn and today's hymn is my faith has found a resting place and as we sing i pray that god will touch our hearts god will help our faith to find a resting place and god will speak to us through the songs let's sing together Let's go. They that found no resting place, not in the vault only. Once for me shall be 
Jesus, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It's enough that Jesus died and he died for me. It takes God opening our eyes to actually um, see that God came to pay the price for our sins. God came to save us from sin. And if God doesn't open our eyes, we would need arguments to actually um, dethrone all the science and technology and all the theories and the, and the speculations that we have put our faith in before Jesus Christ. If, if God doesn't open our eyes, if God doesn't call us, we will still need arguments and convictions. But when God choose, chooses to open our eyes, then we need no other argument. We will break down and see how sinful we are and that Jesus Christ came to show us how to really live this life. And Jesus died on the cross 
and rose again so that we can really live the way that God has destined us to live in the beginning before Adam and Eve sinned. A life free of sin, a life that looks exactly like Jesus Christ, a life that brings glory to God, who will know what pleases God automatically. Without Jesus, we might be rich in money, we might be healthy, we might be beautiful. Without Jesus, we might be smart, we might be innovative, you know. We might be all these great things, but we will never be living the life that God has destined us to live without Jesus Christ. Even though we, we have all those things. And without Jesus Christ, in addition to not being not living the life that God wants us to live, we would also be slaves to sin, be slaves to evil, be slaves to Satan, be slaves to depression, be slaves to suicide and suicidal thoughts, be slaves to anxiety and all the weakness that the old man shared to us, our own portion of that weakness. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were stained, right? They, they, were, they fell short from perfection. They fell short from being the image of God, the express image of God. And that is why um, they could not please God. They fell short from being the perfect image of God. And Adam and Eve could no longer please God. They were now no longer in the perfect image of God. And so there were lots of consequences like pain, giving child back, like um, toiling the ground and struggling in life and some hidden consequences of sin that we, that were not explained on the first day. And that is sickness, whether physical, mental, emotional, spiritual sickness um, is a result of sin. And that is why Jesus had to say this on the cross. You know, that is why, um, Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah prophesied that on that cross, while Jesus is dying for our sins, it's also taking away a consequence of that sin and it's taking away all the consequences when we come to him, especially this one, Isaiah in Isaiah 53 had to mention that by his stripes, we are healed. That, that is because Sickness is a consequence of sin. And that is why the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was, and the stripes he took on Abia, all those punishments were able to take away sickness once we come to him. So we have to come and claim our salvation, claim healing, claim the scholarship that he has, he has for us. And so... When we come to Jesus, we will find our healing. I, I said one time in the Bible, the, the madman, the depressed man, the suicidal man of Gerasins in the Bible, who got his healing by worshiping Jesus. He, he, he saw Jesus afar off and he just bowed down to worship him. And that is like, that is what we should do when we need help, when we, when we, when we are physically sick when we are slaves to sin, when we are depressed, when we are anxious about things, we need to come to Jesus. Even as Christians, when you are sad because we're still on this earth, even though we don't have the old man still living in us, but 
whenever we have this suicidal thoughts or depressed about the situation or anxious about, you know, what he needs, we need to worship Jesus and ask him to heal us and bring us to a state of peace where our faith will find its restful place, a resting place in Christ. Amen. Praise God. Today we'll be moving on to the next example of a man that sought to know God. A wonderful man. And I'll be sharing my screen right now while we um, talk about him. Okay. So, let's see. John the Baptist is the man we'll be talking about. And I'm sure you guys can see my screen. So today we'll be talking about John the Baptist. And it's taken from the book of Luke 1, verse 80. But because the way we do in this Bible study, we have to read the whole chapter so that we can get context on what's happening at that time. Although we're going to Luke 1, 80, about John the Baptist, but let's read the word of God, which is the reason why we are here. The Bible says that, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God was in the beginning. It became flesh, Jesus, and then it dwelt among us. And this word of God, although it looks like paper and ink, is life. And when we read it out, it becomes life in our lives. And remember when Jesus says that in order for you to gain heaven and be a part of me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then people ask, this man must be crazy, asking us to eat his flesh. And we remember that this is his flesh. The word of God is his flesh. The word of God is the flesh of Jesus Christ. So when we read it every day, we, we consume it. And I pray that God will help us as we consume his flesh in Jesus' name. So I will be reading Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to the end. And I pray that God will help us to like know more about the word of God as we read. Amen. So Luke 1, verse 1 to the end. And this book was written by Luke. Verse 1 says, Dear friends, who loves God? Dear friend, who loves God? Several biographies of Christ have already been written using as their source materials. Sorry, what's happening today? Let us start over. Dear friends who love God, several biographies of Christ have already been written using as their source material the reports circulating among us from the early disciples and other eyewitnesses. Verse three. However, it occurred to me that it would be well to check all these accounts from the first to last. And after thorough investigation to pass this summary on to you, to reassure you of the truth of all you were taught. My story begins with a Jewish priest, Zacharias, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zacharias was a member of the Abijah 
division of the temple service corps. His wife, Elizabeth, was like himself, a member of the priest tribe of the Jews. That's the Levite tribe, a descendant of Aaron, a descendant of Aaron. That's, that's special, you know. So Zacharias and Elizabeth were godly folk, careful to obey all of God's laws in spirit as well as in letter. But they had no children, for Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both very old. One day, as Zacharias was going about his work in the temple, for his division was on duty that week, the honor fell to him by lot to enter the inner sanctuary and burn incense before the Lord. Meanwhile, a great crowd stood outside in the temple court, praying as they always did during the, that part of the service when the incense was being burned. Zacharias was in the sanctuary when suddenly an angel appeared standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was startled and terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zacharias, for I have come to tell you that God has heard your prayer and your wife Elizabeth will be a you or son and you are to name him John. You will both have great joy and gladness at his birth and many will rejoice with you for he will be one of the Lord's great men. He must never touch wine or hot liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from before his birth. That is awesome. I, I wish I was filled with the Holy Spirit even from before my birth. I don't know if I was. <laughs> I, I wish I was, you know, and I pray that my children will be filled with the Holy Spirit from before their birth. Anyway, this guy, Zachariah's son, will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. That is awesome. And that is that is interesting. I'm, I'm like getting a lot of interesting things from here. Sorry. So. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So he will be filled with the spirit, verse 16, um, verse 15, even before his birth. And 16 says that, and he will persuade many a Jew to turn to the Lord his God. He will persuade many a Jew to turn to the Lord his God. He will be a man of rugged spirit and power like Elijah, the prophet of old. And he will precede the coming of the Messiah, preparing the people for his arrival. He will soften adult hearts to become like little children and will change disobedience minds to the wisdom of faith. Zachariah said to the angel, this is impossible. I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to you with this good news. And now because you haven't believed me, 
you are to be stricken silent and able to speak until the child is gone. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. 21. Meanwhile, the crowds outside were waiting for Zacharias to appear and wondered why he was taking so long. When he finally came out, he couldn't speak to them, and they realized from his gestures that he must have seen a vision in the temple. He stayed on at the temple for the remaining days of his temple duties and then returned home. Soon afterwards, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed, to take away my disgrace of having no children. Dada, Dada. Thank you, Kyle. Can you please go and shut the door behind you? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Can you give Daddy? Thank you. Keep Daddy. Daddy. Yes, bye-bye, and close the door. Please, close the door. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Okay, sorry about that. Where was I? Okay, so 24. Soon afterwards, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed, to take away my disgrace of having no children. The following month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin Mary engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Congratulations, favored lady. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Um, please follow me as I read, like open your Bibles and also um I forgot to say this before. Open to Luke 1. I'm now in Luke chapter 1, I'm now in 29. It would be great if you read with me, it will make more sense that way. So confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to wonderfully bless you. Very soon now you will become pregnant and have a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He shall be very great and shall be called the son of God. And the Lord shall give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he shall reign over Israel forever. His kingdom shall never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of God shall overshadow you. So the baby born to you will, will be utterly holy, the son of God. 36. Furthermore, six months ago, your aunt Elizabeth, the barren one, they called her, became pregnant in her old age. For every promise from God shall surely come true. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said come true. And then the angel disappeared. Yes. 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the island of Judea, to the town where... Sorry, excuse me. 
Syria. So the town where Zacharias lived and to visit Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, you are favored by God above all other women and your child is destined for God's mightiest praise. What an honor that is that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When you came in and greeted me, the instant I heard your voice, my baby moved in me for joy. You believe that God will do what he said. That is why he is giving you this wonderful blessing. Mary responded, oh, how I praise the Lord, how I rejoice in God, my Savior, for I took notice of his lowly servant girl. Sorry. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And now generation after generation forever shall call me blessed of God. For he, the mighty Holy One, has done great things to me. His mercy goes on from generation to generation to all who reverence him. It, how powerful is his mighty arm. How he scatters the proud and haughty ones. He has turned princes from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry hearts and, and sent the rich away with empty hands. And how he has helped his servant Israel. He has not forgotten his promise to be merciful. For he promised our fathers Abraham and his children to be merciful to, to them forever. 56. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. But now Elizabeth's waiting was over. For the time had come for the baby to be born and he was a boy. The word spread quickly to her neighbors and relatives of how kind the Lord has been to her. And everyone rejoiced, 59. When the baby was eight days old, all the relatives and friends came for the circumcision ceremony. They all assumed the baby's name would be Zacharias after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, he must be named John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in, your, in all your family that has that name. So they asked the baby's father, talking to him in gestures. He motioned for a piece of paper and to everyone's surprise wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zacharias could speak again, and he began praising God. Wonder fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread through the Judean hills. And everyone who heard about it thought long thoughts and asked, I wonder what this child will turn out to be. For the hand of the Lord is surely upon him in some special way. Then his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has come to visit his people and has redeemed them. 69. He is sending us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David. Just as he promised through his holy prophet long ago, someone to save us from our enemies, from all who ate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors, yes, to Abraham himself by remembering his sacred promise to him, 74. And by granting us the privilege of serving God fearlessly, freed from our enemies, and by making us holy and acceptable, ready, ready to stand in his presence forever. And you, my little son, shall be called the prophet of the glorious God, for you will prepare the way of the Messiah. 
You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. All this will be because the mercy of our God is very tender and heaven's dawn is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and death's shadow and to guide us to the path of peace. The little boy, the little boy, so we're going to Luke 1, 18, sorry, Luke 1, chapter 8, um, Luke chapter 1, verse 18. The little boy greatly loved God, and when he grew up, he, what? When he grew up, he lived out in the lonely desert, lonely wilderness, until he began his public ministry to Israel. So let's read it again. This is a part we're going to the little boy greatly loved God, loved God. One, he grew up, when he grew up, grew up, he lived out in the lonely wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. And that is, um, and that is God's word, praise be to God. So um, this is very awesome. I mean, like if you have some time, you you could please try to try to read this chapter. It's really is a great chapter. It's a great chapter, and it's it's filled with a lot of things. If I even start reading. I, if I start explaining, I, I don't think it's, we're going to like finish explaining what this chapter is about. And we're not going to be able to exhaust all the things today. But we are talking about John the Baptist and how he loved God and how he sought to know God. And I just thought it's important to actually know the history of John the Baptist and the fact that God had like told his parents about him from the very beginning. It's really, really interesting and awesome. And many of us, many of us have like stories like that or might not have stories like that, but we've been born for a purpose, but maybe our parents were not spiritually inclined to actually receive the message from God. And then we are here roaming up and down. We're not yet fulfilling that purpose because we, we've not even known that purpose. We've not, the purpose has not been exposed to us. But John's parents were priests and an angel of God appeared to Zacharias. But I just want to break it down step by step. And I've read this before and I was doing some study. And as you saw a while, I was reading, I got some more um inspiration revelation from god and i wrote them down and that is what you should do as well if you're watching me now it should be very awesome and beneficial for you to grow in your um i don't want to call it a skill but in the gift of hearing from god through his word so the best way to hear from god is pray and then as we've read the chapter i want you to meditate on it for a long time, even before, like you can pause this this um, Bible study video right now and go back and meditate on the whole chapter of Luke one 
and then write down whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you about it. And that is your own personal revelation of that scripture. I'll share with you what God has told me today about this um, scripture. And starting with um, the first um, verse was written by, the, the book was written by Luke. And he was saying that um, many people have written biographies about Jesus. And the biography about Jesus that we know about is the gospel, the, the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four versions that I know. And then I also know some characteristics about him from prophecies, from the prophecies of Isaiah and Malachi, <laughs> which I just got to know. Right, recently, Malachi chapter four talked about the end time and Messiah. And talked about John the Baptist as well. So awesome. Anyway, Luke was one of the people that had evidence and proof of that through investigation, through a, a thorough investigation that all these things happened and I would start the explanation that God gave me from chapter, from verse 6. So Luke 1, 6 says, Zachariah and Elizabeth were godly folk, careful to obey all of God's laws in spirit as well as in letter. Zachariah and Elizabeth were godly folk. Will I consider myself a godly folk? Is it because I was born into a Christian home? Is it because my, my, I go to church or my daddy is a Christian, my mom is a Christian? Why did the Bible label Zechariah and Elizabeth godly folks? So the answer is in the next phrases. It says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were godly folk. Careful to obey all of God's laws in spirit. So they obeyed his laws in spirit. What does it mean to obey God's laws in spirit? In spirit. There's a part in John that says, John chapter 4 verse 4 says that they that worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. And then the, the, um, and that part of the Bible, if you read the whole chapter, because you always read the chapter to get a context of what's happening. If you read the whole chapter, it was talking about a, let's go and read it. It was talking about a, a woman by the well that was asking a question. Okay, I have to check this out. It's um, actually John 4, what about verse 23 to 24. So John 4, 24, John 4, 24 says that or let me read from 21 to 24. Jesus replied, the time is coming, ma'am, when we will no longer be concerned about 
whether to worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. For it's not where we worship that counts, but how we worship. Is our worship spiritual and real? Do we have the Holy Spirit's help? For God is spirit, and we must have his help to worship as we should. The Father wants this kind of worship from us. So worshiping in spirit is when the Holy Spirit helps you to worship God. And the, the Holy Spirit has not lived in the people in the, in, in the times before Jesus. So for the fact that these people were labeled godly folk means that they were the Holy Spirit was always on them. You remember the Bible, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on Moses. The Holy Spirit came upon Elijah. The Holy Spirit was always upon Zechariah and Elizabeth was always upon them. And in our days, if you want to be considered a godly folk, the Holy Spirit must be living in you because now, because of Jesus and because the old man is not is no more in us, the Holy Spirit can live in us. Right? So, um, that's very awesome. So, the Holy Spirit was upon them because they, they obeyed God's law by worshiping God, obeying his laws in spirit, as well as in letter. So they obeyed the physical law, the, the, the Bible they had at that time, and also were led by the spirit. And that is why they were called godly folk. So in order for us to be called godly folk, as we have read now, we don't only have to obey the, the physical laws in the Bible, but be also led by the spirit. And that's how the, the that's why the, the Pharisees failed. They only followed the, the letter. And the Bible says the letter kill it because the letter is, is not a perfect way of um, perfect way to salvation because there are a lot of because's. But let me just let me just share with us. The letter is not a perfect way to salvation. It was uh shadow of things to come and god knows god knew why he did it that way and let me tell you my brothers and sisters if you've not heard this before god doesn't learn from his mistakes god doesn't get better god is perfect he knew what he was doing when he introduced the law of moses the old testament he did not learn from his mistakes and make made a new testament purposely made a, an Old Testament. He purposely made an Old Testament for our good to make us understand the importance of everything. He made the people of Israel go through series and series of sacrifices, blood sacrifices, give different offerings, grain offerings, just to show the importance of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. If he, if he knew that we as humans were capable of understanding the gravity and the, the effect of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, Jesus Christ would have died on the day after Adam and Eve sinned. So we would not understand the gravity of it. We would not understand what we mean by spiritual welfare. If the Israelites did not fight thousands and thousands of battles against their enemies, we will not understand what it means when Jesus sheds blood, blood on the cross of Calvary. What the um, what the the Israelites had to do every year, but Jesus did it once and for all, and that's awesome. And so, these people followed 
the letter as well as being led by the Spirit. So their life was almost perfect because when the Holy Spirit leads you, he supersedes whatever Moses wrote in his law or what God directed him to write in his law because now that's the new covenant, the Holy Spirit covenant. So seven, okay, yeah. So that's that's what I wanted to define. What does it mean to be uh, a godly folk? Means that you obey the spirit, um, the laws in spirit and as well as in letter. But that's the definition before Christ came. Godly folk means that you have the Holy Spirit living in you and he actually directs you to do better than the Ten Commandments. Do what better? What exactly will please God? That's what the Holy Spirit will direct us to do. The Bible, let me give you an example. The Bible says that you commit adultery, um, you have sinned. However, the Holy Spirit will say that if you just look at a woman and check her out, you have sinned. So the Holy Spirit will help us to even do what pleases God because he's in us, he's in our thoughts. Like He's like very close to us. We don't need to go and read the law and say, oh, I've sinned because yes, this number seven. No, the Holy Spirit is in, will be in our hearts to teach us and help us not to sin. Amen. So Luke 1, 8 to 9. Um, we have 15 more minutes, but let me try to run through this. So 8 and 9 says that one day as Zacharias was going about his work in the temple, for his division was on duty that week, the honor fell to him by lot to enter the inner sanctuary and burn incense before the Lord. Amen. Just the same, the flow is the same. Just because they didn't have the Holy Spirit then living inside them, they used lots to decide which pastor will go into the temple to offer incense, to burn incense. They used lot. I believe that lot is where, like, I don't know how they did it that time, but lots of some, some, something similar to this. You roll up a paper and you put the names of all the pastors and then you shake it up and then just like a like a raffle draw. And then you pick one pastor's name and like, oh, Zacharias, congratulations. You have to be the one to burn incense today. And that makes me understand that if the Lord fell on Zachariah, that means God controls the raffle draw. God controlled that raffle draw. And it just means that God controls time and chance. And so everything in the Christian's life happens for a reason. God controls everything. So God controlled the lot to fall on Zacharias for him to enter the temple and so that the angel will tell him and give him the message. And I pray that as we trust God to like control us and like give us, control everything about us, we would be filled with joy and happiness. Amen. God help us to trust him. And so um, then when I got to Luke 117, God told me another revelation again, and it is this. Okay, and it is this. Luke 117. Luke 117 says, he will be a rugged a man of rugged spirit and power like Elijah, 
the prophets of old, and he will precede the coming of the Messiah, preparing the people for his arrival. He will soften adults' hearts to become like little children, and it will change disobedience minds to the wisdom of faith. So, wow. The angel already said John the Baptist will be a rugged spirit like Elijah. And John the Baptist will precede the coming of the Messiah. That is like, that is awesome. I don't know. I believe that if the Jews don't believe in Jesus, I'm not sure how they kind of like, or I don't know if anybody doesn't believe in Jesus, but believe in the Old Testament. How will you explain this part of the Bible? That John the Baptist will precede the coming of the Messiah. That is, that is the record of um, Luke after all his investigation. And that is, that is interesting that when, when people keep saying, oh, uh, when will is, uh, Elijah, Elijah come back again? He already, he already came back as John the Baptist. And when people that are waiting for the Messiah, this confirms that Jesus is the Messiah. John the Baptist preceded the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke one twenty. So uh, the Bible says that in Luke one twenty, <clears throat> and now because you haven't believed me, you are to be stricken silent and unable to speak until the child is born. First of all, this is very interesting. I know we've heard it before, but when I when Zacharias in eighteen said to the angel, "But this is impossible. I'm an old man now, and my wife." Is also well along in years. I mean, like it's kind of like I know I'm not I'm not I'm not Zacharias, but he told the angel that it's impossible, right? And and the angel struck him with with muteness, so he was silent. He was mute. He wasn't able to speak, and he would be like that until the child. John the Baptist is born. Yeah, we have to be careful as Christians to believe God because of what we have seen him do before. You know, Zacharias, the priest, he was a herd of Abraham and his wife, Sarah, he was a herd of Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. So these people were barren for a long time and they gave birth to their old age. So I wonder why Zacharias said it's impossible. Anyway, he was um, shrieking with muteness. And people, okay, so let's, let's, let's keep going according to this book. Yeah, I wrote here that in Luke 1.15, it says John the Baptist will be one of God's great men. And I said, I want to be one of God's great women. Amen. But there's something that I was reading. When I was reading, I jotted down something. In verse 15, it says that, for he will be one of God's great men. That's John the Baptist. Yes. He must never touch wine or hard liquor. Wow. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his birth. That's awesome. Okay, so you must never touch wine or hard liquor. Now, this reminds me of a portion of the Bible that says that um, the portion of the Bible says that 
do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you the, the Bible verse so that we can we can know that it's from God's word. It's um, Ephesians 5, verse 18. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. See? And NLT says that do, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the spirit. It makes me understand that when you're drunk with wine, can, the wine takes the place that the Holy Spirit is supposed to stay. So when you're, when you're filled with the spirit, the Holy Spirit takes the place where wine is supposed to stay. So that there's a place in us that drunkenness stays, intoxication, maybe in our brain, because that thing goes to like maybe intoxicate us and make us drunk. That is where the Holy Spirit stays. And it cannot accommodate two spirits. So you either be drunk or filled with the Holy Spirit, either be filled with the Holy Spirit or be filled with a drunken spirit. So yeah. Those are the two options that we have as Christians. So John the Baptist did not touch wine, and that is why he did not touch wine. Because the Holy Spirit says that he must not touch wine or hardly cook, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his birth. He will be filled with the Spirit of God even from his birth. And then I wrote here that, Filled with the Spirit, John the Baptist still had the old man in him because he, he was one of a man and a woman. The only human being that was born of just a woman and God is Jesus. Jesus was born of the new man and the woman. But John the Baptist was one of a old man and a woman and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that he was born again in his womb? In his mother's womb, somehow God nailed the old man to the cross for John the Baptist and filled him with a new man. Because that is how God has explained it to me. The Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so if John the Baptist... was filled with the spirit. They didn't say that the spirit of God rested upon him. He said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can only live in someone that doesn't have the old man. So one way or the other, before his birth, right after he was formed, um, he was not born of a virgin. He was born of his mom and dad. Right after he was born, the transformation took place. <laughs> a transformation took place and and he was saved. Perhaps it's, I don't know when that took place, but remember, let's read um, wow. Let's read I, I don't want to jump the part where the angel appeared to Mary that well, let's just jump that and we'll come back to that later. So in 
In 38, Mary went to, in 39, Mary went to Elizabeth to greet her. She was pregnant of John the Baptist. We don't know if he was filled with the Holy Spirit here because it said he will be filled before he was born, right? So let's see. Is, is this what activated the old man? Is this what made the old man yield to the cross and then put the, put the new man in him? Is it this, this encounter with Mary and the power of God? Let's see how it goes. So verse 38 and verse 39 says, Luke 139, a few days later, Mary hurried to the highlands of Judea, to the town where Zacharias lived, to visit Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, her child leaped within her, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. When Mary got there, Elizabeth's child lived and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. She cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit except she's born again. The Holy Spirit can rest upon her. Here she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So there was transformation at that point. Old men in Elizabeth, the old man in John the Baptist were nailed to the cross and new man was delivered to them at that point. That is what the Holy Spirit is telling me right now. However, let's keep reading. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit at that point. And so 42, Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit and then she gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, you are favored of by God above all other women. And your child is destined for God's mightiest race. Your child, so Mary, already had a child in her. So your child is destined for God's mightiest praise. What an honor this is, that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When you came in and greeted me, the instant I heard your voice, my baby moved in me for joy. You believed that God would do what he said. That is why he has given you this wonderful blessing. He has given you. So Mary already had Jesus living in, in our womb. So he has given you this wonderful blessing. So, um, so Jesus, in that place, saved, saved John Baptist and Elizabeth and filled them with the Spirit of God. And that is how John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit of God before he was born. And Jesus is here right now. And he can save you. You're watching this. Jesus can save you. If you know you've not given your life to Jesus Christ. He's here right now. He's the one that will do the work. You don't have to pay me money to, to save you. Because I don't know how to save you. And even if I tell you to pay me money, I would have cheated you. Because the only person that can save you is God through Jesus. Even though you kneel down and beg God to save you, he will save you if he wants to save you. And that is mercy. So ask God for mercy. God, have mercy on me and save me. Save me from my sins. Remove this old man that makes me sin. Remove the old man from me. This old man. The old man that makes me say yes to temptation, say yes to sin. Remove him from me. The old man that my daddy and my mom gave me. 
wrote this old man for me and Sorry about that. Yes, 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 yes. Come watch Cocomela. Go. Shut the door. Lie you. Close the door. Bye. Close the door. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Amen. So, the Holy Spirit lives in us when we have a new man in us. And this new man, God is the only person that can take the old man, nail him to the cross, and put the new man in us. When we have this new man, we are new creation, and all things would pass away, and all things will become new, and those people will live in us. So, God. Go ahead and say this prayer and ask God for mercy to transform your life, to exchange that old man with a new man and fill you with a spirit. And I pray that God will do so in the name of Jesus Christ. So just go ahead and pray. Pray that prayer. And God Almighty will do that because we are sinners and we have sinned against God. And He, although He has paid a price for our sins, um, He paid a price for our sins. Even before he knew, sorry, even before we proved to him that we were good enough. <laughs> it doesn't matter if we're good enough or not. He has already paid for our sins. All we need to do right now is to come to him and accept his sacrifice and trust. And he will give us the power to say no to sin by giving us a new man. And we will live a life that pleases God. And amen. So if you were, if you pray the prayer, right now and you ask God to, to save you and have mercy on you and just like he did for Elizabeth and John the Baptist he removed the old man from them put the new man in the mountains that he filled them with the Holy Spirit just like he did for them he would do for you and I pray that his mercy is enough for you I pray that his mercy reaches you I pray that God chooses to have mercy on you I'm happy that God has had mercy on you I pray that God chooses to have mercy on you and save you and call you and remove the scale from your eyes. Because that's the only way you can accept this message. You can say, okay, yes, I want to um, be God's child. And I would like you to say this prayer with me if you chose that. Just close your eyes right now and ask God, Lord Jesus, please say after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to come to you this night or this morning or this afternoon. I ask that you forgive my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner. I realize that I have sinned. I realize that I have an old man living in me. I realize that I have this man that makes me sin against God. I ask that you have mercy on me and forgive me all my sins. I ask that you use the blood of Jesus to wash me clean and help me to be white as snow. I believe that you died for me, Jesus, on the cross of Calvary. I believe that you came to this world and you died and rose again. 
I accept you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. I ask that you would nail the old man in me to the cross and put a new baby Jesus in my life. I also ask that you would please let your Holy Spirit live in my heart in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you because you are God. I ask that you please help me to be born in heaven after this world is over. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So if you said a prayer, <clears throat> watch out for God's beautiful exchange in your life. And I, I pray that the almighty God will have mercy on us, have mercy on you and save your soul and exchange that old man for a new man and give you joy, peace and righteousness in Jesus' mighty name. Pray. Amen. Amen. I think this is where we're going to be stopping today. We're going to continue to see how John the Baptist grew and loved God. And he was chosen by God. And that's awesome. Amen. Thank God for his word. And let me bless our week. Dear Father, we thank you for exposing your word to me and to everyone that is watching this. I ask that you would please let this word, oh God, become flesh and dwell in us, oh God, until every part of our bodies is Jesus, Lord. Let your word become flesh, oh God, and dwell in us, oh God. Let your Holy Spirit, oh God, continue to live in us, oh God. Help us continue to be led by your spirit, oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask that you help us to be conformed to the express image of Christ. Lord, continue to give us revelation as we read your word, oh God. I pray for the ladies that have not, we're not able to make it today. I ask that you strengthen them, oh God. I ask that you would please, oh Lord, strengthen them, oh God, and reveal yourself to them. Help them to have a closer walk with you to bring them in. Receive the duration of days in Jesus' mighty name. Pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful Bible study. Have you ever listened to a podcast and thought about what other listeners are saying about that episode? Have you ever thought about giving feedback and interacting with the host of a favorite podcast? Podroom is a podcast player and chatroom platform for the podcast communities. Join millions of similar podcast listeners and interact with like minds on the Podroom app. It's a social networking platform with over 750,000 audio and video podcast content. It's available on the Play Store and App Store. Download Podroom now to enjoy this episode. There is a moment that I